Well, the uh, PowerPoint and computer text can breathe a sigh of relief because if it goes down, I don't have any slides today. Um, as well, I've got my mic on today and I can hear it, so uh, I think we're good across the board technology-wise through the rest of this service, so we're in luck. This morning uh, sees us in Paul's final letter to Timothy, aptly entitled Second Timothy. We'll be looking at chapter four here. This letter, um, it's believed to have been written about 64 to, 70, to 65 AD, which is uh, probably shortly after Rome burned around that time. And uh, the emperor of that time, Nero, would start a great persecution of the church after that. He blamed, uh, or he used the, the Christian church as a scapegoat that they were causing trouble in Rome and throughout uh, that, that empire. This is written to a young church leader, Timothy. Um, while he's in Ephesus, Paul left him after his third missionary journey there, um, maybe seven, eight, maybe ten years earlier, um, was when uh, Timothy initially went to Ephesus there, and uh, he supported Paul in his work and stayed behind as uh, Paul would go forth to other missionary journeys. His first letter was likely only written a few years before, but that same year with the persecution that would come towards the broader church, um, it was likely that Paul would see his demise. So Paul writes this letter to a young leader with a little sense of urgency. In this letter we see Paul continued to, to discharge his, the duties of his faith. He knows his time is limited, but continues to work to further and advance the kingdom, especially for those uh, Gentiles throughout the world. That's where we find ourselves in chapter 4 this morning. We'll start in verse 1. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in the view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. 
discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only me, but also all to all who have longed for his appearing. Your best, do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved this world, deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has come, has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is very helpful for me in my ministry. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus to tr at Troas and my scrolls, especially the parchments. Alexander, the metal worker, did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on your guard against him because he, is, he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me, the message might be fully, fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. We see here in these first four verses of chapter four that Paul continues his training of this young Christian. He encourages an anxious leader who must have certainly felt pressure to back down from a message that may be controversial. He urged strength and continued courage not to weaken or soften his message to appease the listener. He mentions that the teachers will say what the people's itching ears want to hear. He prayed that Timothy might not turn down that path, that he might be able to rebuke and teach and correct, to show patience to his flock, but not to say only what is comfortable for those who may be listening. Not much has changed in this day as we try to gather or we can gather around us people who will say simply what we want to hear. We can find it online or in our own French circles. It's difficult to hear that which uh, 
may be challenging to what we do, who we are. And Timothy, seeing this pressure, would have certainly had reason to slip into these tactics of preserving one's own ministry, of saying what won't rile up. He certainly saw the pressure that Nero would have put on him. And that's what I see in much of this, uh, these final remarks from Paul to Timothy. A man who's encouraging this person to stay strong because his time is short and Timothy's might not be very long either. In verses 9 through 15, Paul is continuing his work in the world as normal. He's continuing to send people out into the nations abroad so that his work to the Gentiles may continue and spread. So that message of good news would continue and change lives. He notes Alexander, who he said did him great harm. Elsewhere, there's another individual. They both get mentioned in both letters. I can only imagine that these must have been followers of Paul's early on in his ministry in those regions. But then they must have taken that message and twisted and harm the work of Christ. He continues on. He sees chance uh, to continue his work and even asks for his scrolls and parchments so that he can continue study and keep working. If we think back to where Paul, this all started for him. As a young man anxious to see his God rule throughout the world, all he wanted for his life was to stamp out this Christian rebellion as he saw it. He His life is that of a different tra trajectory than Timothy's. Timothy, we can see much as ourself. He had a, a Christ follower as a mother and a Christ follower as a grandmother. Though Jewish, he grew up believing in Christ as the Messiah very similar to our situation here. Paul wanted everything he, he could to destroy that. And Christ entered his life and changed it. I think of 
the situation of the Pharisee and the tax collector that my dad shared from Luke 18 this morning. They, uh, I can imagine those two kids growing up. Can you think of the young Pharisee in our church today? He probably would have been the darling of the pastor. His Sunday school teachers probably loved the kids, the kid, and his desire to learn all he could about the word. They probably weren't aware of his desire to use it as a weapon to to abuse, to put in the place of those who would seek to follow God. And then we think of that tax collector, probably not the greatest young kid growing up, likely from a wealthy family. But he saw this uh, responsibility he could be given from the leadership of Rome so that he could make himself wealthy. He was looked down on among his own community. But they both come before Christ praying. And you can see how their trajectories take different angles. The tax collector knows he's lost and seeks to rectify that. The Pharisee seeks to tell how much, how so very much he has found. Paul was in much of the same situation when he was on the road to Damascus. And he's blinded by Christ. And he's revealed of the persecution he's been sending down on the Christ followers of Christ. He sees this letter as possibly his final work. In verses 6 through 8, he said he's being poured out, Paul is, like a drink offering. You would put your animal sin offering on the altar and then pour wine onto it as well to complete that offering. He says he's, he knows he's fought the good fight and finished the course. And that a crown of righteousness is ahead before him. Even though his time is limited, he continues to teach as if it will go on forever. There have been two viral videos uh, recently of sprinters that I've seen in the past, well, one in the past couple weeks and one a few months ago. The first one 
is uh, a 200 meter run. And the girls are a bit younger. I think it's about a 35 second race. But you start off, the video starts off, and one girl has run out of her shoe. She runs back to pick it up and put it back on. And then she sprints with all she has. She's clearly the fastest runner there. She doesn't let that little falter at the start ruin her race. And I think she beats her opposition by about five seconds. With mom cheering on from behind the camera. I've seen a, another race just this past week, I think. And it must have been a four by 100 with the rate of speed at which everyone was going. But it was a relay. And this man, you see only the clip as he passes uh, the anchor of this leg, uh, passes his opposition, he turns his shoulder to gloat at the individual he passes. Clearly, probably the best athlete on the track. And as he turns to the front, he sees his line and veers off to the infield grass. Only to realize after two people pass the finish line that he stopped at the wrong mark. If any of you have seen, uh, especially all weather tracks, all the different markings on there, there was a row of arrows for some setup, maybe for the mile. And he saw that and turned off before the race was finished. And the guy he gloated at finished first. In fact, uh, he realizes it, and maybe just by a hair beats third place. But he left his lane. He was certainly disqualified. Thinking of the slow starts. Or the great ability with which one is given to complete their duties in this world. We, like Paul, want to continue this race until the finish. We may lose our shoe on the way, but let us not be distracted from the goal. In verses 16 through 18, Paul reminds Timothy that he was deserted by everyone in his first defense against the emperor. 
but he does not bring down judgment on any of those individuals. Paul expresses forgiveness and understanding, even though he experienced abandonment like Christ. I don't think he cares too much about defending himself, but that he only wished to represent God. What he saw, or what value would those individuals have given to his testimony? I think personal testimonies are pretty interesting. Perhaps one of the greatest is Paul's. But what could they have done for him? Share about how good a person Paul is? How he's brought great change into this world? Brought people into new life? That's not the message Paul had for his ministry. His ministry was Christ and Christ crucified. Any talk of himself in these trials would have been a distraction. He saw his imprisonment as opportunity to spread the gospel. And not for personal gain. That's where I think that forgiveness comes from. Whether we can see our end is drawing near, or if it catches us by surprise, we should continue on like Paul and act as if there will never be an end. We might be surprised by death, but also let us not be caught unprepared for another morning. Let's not veer off like a runner who's not running to the finish. We'll trip and stumble along the way. But our ministry never retires. Paul probably only had months to live after he wrote these words. But he was not caught by surprise. And Christ may have come in in the last second and saved him from death and brought him many more years to come. He didn't wrap up his ministry, prepare Timothy for when he won't be there any longer. He showed an example to a young man who was going to be facing a difficult life ahead of him as a minister of the gospel. The same is for us. There is no retirement from the life of a Christian. We need to finish like it's never going to end.
because it's not. Please stand with me. Lord, we thank you for the life of Paul. What he meant for Gentiles like us. His example of a Christian whose faith continued to the end. Pray that we might be able to do the same. As we go forth from this place, May your message, the good news of your son and his death on the cross for our sins, be ever present on our lips and on our minds so that we might share it with a dying world. Lord, we pray all this in the name of your son, Christ Jesus. Amen. Have a great week.